This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and from Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. I was so certain that the focus of today's show would be the franchise tag, who's now not available for the Raiders to look at. What's it mean for the market being set? And then I was certain that part of the conversation would become Aaron Rodgers announcing that he will be returning to Green Bay and then also making sure that we know that no terms that you're reading online are correct unless they come from him and Pat McAfee. I thought those were going to be the focuses of our conversation, but then right before Eddie Pascal and I start our show, Russell Wilson becomes the new starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Seattle gets quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. So now everybody can look around and say, if your favorite team, whoever that is, has been obsessed with the concept of Russell Wilson, and that doesn't matter if you're a Steelers fan or you know, you're know any team right now, a Saints fan, you're looking at it and saying, how could we have gotten that one quarterback? We know what the package looks like. It is a, a beefy package in return for a quarterback that now comes to the Broncos and, according to Las Vegas odds makers, immediately catapults them into the number six spot for the sixth best odds to win the Super Bowl. And Eddie, it's a big statement of how tough the West is going to be this year. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be, uh, yeah, a tough one, I think, is the is the kind of the perfect way to say it. But, you know, our guy who called in a few minutes ago in the last segment, Fitz, I think he brought up a great point where he goes, look, you can't re- can't overreact. It's easy to overreact. Heck, I mean, we did that for, I think, a, a little bit this afternoon as well. But you have to understand there was a plan. There is a plan. And this one move, and it's a huge move. I, it, like I said, it's hard to overstate just how big this move is for not only the AFC West, but the AFC and the NFL in general. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to stick to their plan. They're going to understand their process. And that's one thing we were talking to them in Indy last week. They brought up the word process and understanding the importance of that process and remaining committed to that process. So, yes, everyone's talking about the headline news today, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, all that good stuff. But these guys here in the building are going to continue to do what they do, and they're going to attack this offseason the same way they were previous, and they're going to go about building the roster and building that roster uh, that's in alignment with how they want to do it. So, yes, it's easy to get caught up in today. It's all going to be okay, though, Fitz. It is all going to be okay, I promise you. Uh, And let's get back to the phone lines real quick. Let's go to the Dark Side Don. Dark Side Don, what's going on, my friend? Hey, what's good, fellas? How y'all? Good. Living that dream? Yeah. (laughs) You better than most. But, uh, Chet, I'm not not even worried, to be honest. Um, I'm looking at this as a blessing. Um, You know, they say steel sharpens steel. Competition breeds the best, right? If you, you know, if you want to, if you want to be, be the best. You got to beat the best. So, in my opinion, this is gonna be able to like bring the Raider Nation together. Those that didn't like DC, if DC don't step up and compete, then they have they have their they have their you know reason. They have their reason at that point to to cry about DC. Those that do like DC, this is DC's chance to step up and and compete against the best because the best is literally in this division at this point. You know, if we look at what happened last year in the Super Bowl, the the, the Super Bowl champions came out of the, the best division of, of the NFL. That could happen to the Raiders. So I'm not even I'm not even worried at that point. At this point, it's it's more so like, okay, let's y'all want to compete, y'all want to y'all want to contend for championships. It starts in the division. This it is what it is. You know, um, everybody needs to relax. You know, it's not it's not a flag football. The whole NFL thing is a competition thing, and we just got competition. That's all. You know, there is such a – thanks for the call. That is a great call, and it's such a reminder to me of the era 
that I grew up in. These are the moments where I get to put on like a little old man mustache and a little old man hat and use my walker and be like, Eddie, you don't understand. Back in my day. But I remember being a kid and watching a Raiders team that every single year was going to have a dogfight to try and beat John Elway, right? And every single year at one point was going to have a dogfight to try and beat Joe Montana with the Chiefs, right? Like every single year was going to have a dogfight to try and beat Phillip Rivers and LaDainian Tomlinson. And when I think back to the really particularly good Raiders teams, whether they were the ones in the early 90s that, that with the AFC uh, playoffs uh, or, or whether it's the, the Gannon era, like I don't remember in either of those eras looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year and saying, oh, well, that team's tough. You want to get to the point that everybody else looks at you and says, oh, that's a tough out. Like I don't believe that the Chiefs are looking at the rest of the West with any fear. I don't believe that the Patriots are looking at ever have looked at their division, even when they should, with an ounce of fear. Like there was just a moment of if you're a Bills fan, you're not worried about the Patriots anymore. And if you're a Patriots fan, you're not worried about the Bills anymore because you look at your team and you say, my team's damn good and we belong in this conversation. Like that's the goal to get – like the goal is not just to get to the playoffs. Like the, it's such a different – conversation about are the Raiders a playoff team or are the Raiders a good team there's a difference and when you're a consistently good team it doesn't matter what everybody else does because you're taking care of your own business at home and let's let's remind ourselves of this for a sec Fizz our guy Josh McDaniels has has six rings I don't think there's a lot of moves that he's going to see over the next two three four months whatever it is that's (laughs) going to have him shaking in his boots right this is a guy who has won at the highest level and not done it once or twice, or three times, and I know he had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for a lot of those victories, but all the same, there is nothing, in my opinion, that he will see that will flat, that will give him any kind of reason to, uh, to miss a beat. And, and look, we talked about it earlier, Fitz, where him and, him and Dave Ziegler come into this opportunity, and they came here for a reason. And they're smart guys. They understand that things are going to happen around the league. This league has made itself a lot of money based on being the best reality show in the entire world. So they had to come in and know that things were going to happen. And I think that the confidence, the quiet confidence that both those dudes carry with them, uh, I think if you're a fan of this team, if you're a fan of the, the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders, you got to feel pretty good knowing that those are the, those are the two guys leading the charge. And it's, it's all part of it. I know I, I should get a, put a dollar in the jar every time I say it fits. It's all a part of the process of them being true to their process, understanding their process. And regard, regardless of what's happening outside of this building, that's what they're going to stand true to. So uh, back to the phones. We're going to go to Raiders 66 here in Vegas. Raiders 66, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome. Doing great. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I come from a time even before that, uh, Fitz. I, I became a Raider fan in 1966. That's where my moniker comes from. And the Raiders were the gorilla on the block. They were the ones that everybody feared. I think that they won probably uh, one to two games at least every year just by the way they got off the bus with leather coats, chains, and I'm not talking about gold chains. I'm talking about bicycle chains around their waist. Uh, intimidation, a lot of people. There's still going to be detractors for Derek Carr, but Derek Carr is not the problem. You get rid of him, you got another hole. And if you fill him with a top-flight quarterback, you're giving away draft picks, you're giving away other players, so you're creating other holes. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor last offseason said on one of the shows, Carr's not the problem, we need to bring the rest of the Raiders up to Carr's level. When they take the shackles off of Derek, he performs at a top-five or better quarterback. He is in MVP conversations. You are not an MVP conversation if you're a top 10 or worse quarterback. What the Raiders need to do, and one of the callers said it, the, the red zone offense and defense need to be fixed. I am confident that McDaniels is going to get the offense corrected, and they're going to not score short field goals. They're going to be scoring touchdowns. 
Now, the defense, although improved this past year, you look at the numbers in the red zone, they gave up a touchdown like three out of four times the other team was there. So if they're scoring touchdowns and we're kicking short field goals, that's the reason. If, if you reverse that, if you score touchdowns and they're kicking field goals, our record is better, and all of a sudden Derek Carr is a better quarterback because the record's better. So improving the defense, I think, is number one. You get a number one uh, receiver, and of course you've got to make the offensive line better because every time the Raiders have been great, they have had Hall of Famers on the offensive line. Thanks for taking my call. You guys have a great day and great job. Love the call. I love great everything call. you said. Great call. I, I think one thing to remember is that that may not happen immediately. You know, what, one thing that when Eddie was talking earlier about, about, you know, the process that really hit my brain is that we have to remember that there are different time frames for different things. So uh, I, I said this all the time, and, and you guys know with me being an ESPN employee, I think it's almost like contractually obligated. I have to have the Brady versus uh, Belichick debate once a year, right? But one thing I laughed about on air is that was happening when Brady was winning a Super Bowl and Belichick wasn't, and everybody was quick to be, to be ready to give up on coach. I said, you got to remember that there's two different time frames. Like, Brady has to win right now. Belichick has to build another team that he believes can sustain success for a generation. That can take a year or two. So, in my mind, one thing we have to remember is everything you just said is a smart way to build a football team. Like, hey, the defense needs to get more talented. The offensive line needs to get better, and they need better red zone weapons. Well, I think you could say that about two-thirds of the NFL teams right now. The thing of it is, I'm also willing to say that I'm not sure all of that gets done in the way that everybody wants it to eventually be done in one offseason. Like, we have to understand that to the point Eddie's making about trust the process, I'm not willing to sit here in front of a microphone and tell you all that it's a one-year process that suddenly vaunts the Raiders, vaults the Raiders to the Super Bowl. This is a three- to five-year for most coaches of how do I turn it over, make sure that we're as successful as possible right now, but we also build long-term pillars that will make us successful for the next several years. It could take years to accomplish what you just said. And, and Fitz, you brought up a great point, too, whereas I don't think if you're Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler that you're looking at this in, like, a 12-month prism, right? Like, that's not your time. Like, no one comes in as a head coach and says, hey, I, I want to do everything in 12 months. Like, to your point, this is a three- to five-year deal. Like, you're not building a house overnight. And granted, the house that they, they purchased, it's a really nice house, right? Things got to be fixed on the house, but it's not a fixer-upper by any stretch. But you're not going to do that overnight. And I think it's such a hard thing to preach, and I think the fan in me completely understands this and can identify with this. It's hard to be patient. It is so hard to be patient. You like you think, hey, we got Josh McDaniels in here, we got Derek Carr, we got the offensive guru. He's gonna fix everything that we need that we have going on in the red zone, and we're gonna be back. We're gonna be back in the playoffs, and I think we all that's the case. But it's so much more. It's so much more complicated than that. It is so much more uh, of an intricate puzzle than just fixing one thing here, fixing one thing there. Because everything, what everything, one thing that we know fits year in year out. You get better in the offseason. Every NFL team goes into the offseason as soon as they finish their last game, whether it's week 17, week 18, or after the Super Bowl. As soon as their season ends, they are looking ahead to say, how can we improve? Yes, we went 10-7, and whatever we did last year. How do we get better? The Rams are looking around saying, hey, we won the Super Bowl last year. That's great. We're still all kind of hung over from the celebrations, but... How are we going to do this again? How are you going to get back? So it's, it's a continual process of getting better and better and better. It's a continual process of understanding it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in two weeks. It's not going to happen in six weeks. And it's hard, man. I completely understand that it is hard to be patient. But at times, the best things in life fit 
you got to wait him out just a little bit. You know, Eddie and I were talking about our love of sushi earlier, right? Like, if you are going to the store and you're really craving sushi and they just, they don't, like, they don't have any tuna, you don't get to have any tuna. That's just one of the realities yeah. of life. You go to your favorite restaurant, they're out of something, you don't get it. You go to the grocery store and you really want asparagus because you want funny smelling pee and they don't have it. You got no choice. And one thing you have to remember is that, like, I'll use the offensive line here as an example. Because every time I talk to the big guys at ESPN, I'm always amazed at how little most of us know about offensive line and how much they do know. But also how much difference there is from style to style of how an offensive line is coached. You got a new coaching staff coming in with new concepts on what these offensive linemen are supposed to do. And they don't, by the collective bargaining agreement, really have the chance to see a lot of these guys attempt to execute what they want until we get much closer to the actual season. So the ability to go in and pick the ingredients you're cooking with requires that the right ingredients be available. They're not always. And then requires that you're able to look at what you have in the pantry and say, I understand how this will cook together. And that doesn't always happen quickly either. So like that's part of why I think there's layers to this because it's simple for all of us to say, you know what, guys, let's go get an offensive lineman in the draft this year. We need one. Well, certainly the Raiders felt like they were getting an offensive lineman last year with Leatherwood, and we'll see how that plays out over time. We'll see what the new coaching staff thinks, but it's not like that's a unique thought. Like They're not sitting there with a scratch-and-sniff lottery ticket saying, oh, my God, the lottery ticket says we need a wide receiver. We should have thought of that. Like It's just not always possible to find the right guys for the right system quickly. And to piggyback off the grocery shopping analogy, fits where it's just because they have asparagus at the store doesn't mean that that asparagus could asparagus asparagus that's a hard one to say that asparagus could have gone bad two days ago. So just because it's at the store and just because it's available doesn't mean that it fits exactly what you want it to be. So if you say, "Yo, I want an offensive lineman," okay, great, don't we all? Right? I want a million different things, but. You look at free agency and you look at the draft. Like The worst thing that you can do is make a commitment financially and in terms of a roster spot to someone that you don't believe is going to make your team better. So it's real easy to say, hey, you know, I want a lockdown corner. Great. Me too. Give me five of them. Show me the best five. And if the five are not what McDaniels and Ziggler are looking for, they're zero. There's not really five. So I, I completely understand where all of us have this wish list, right? And, and, you know, the wife and I just bought a house, and we have a wish list of things Ooh. that we want to do. Yeah, oh, yeah, which is also, my goodness, no one told me how big of a project that was going to be. But you look at our, at our list of things that we want to accomplish, and it's a long list, but, hey, we can't do Windows because there's a nine-month back order on Windows right now. Okay, but maybe let's go down to something a little bit lower on the list. Hey, maybe let's fix this light fixture because we know we can do that today. Like, it's all about balance. It's all about finding the right people, the right ingredients at the right times. And it's a lot easier said than done, but that's how you got to do it. And, and you know what? Twitter is there, like, uh, not yours necessarily, but Twitter's like the father-in-law that walks in and is like, Eddie, got to get these windows done. <laughs> Thank you so much. I didn't realize that the windows were a problem. I haven't been working on the windows for yeah, two right. years, Dad. Thank you so much for the window help on it. And can, it's just, can I do a quick father-in-law story real quick? Oh, yeah, please. I think, I think you and I have actually talked about this before. But last, oh, man, I, it was last holidays, right? So call it November, December, whatever it is. My father-in-law came down. Actually, it was two holidays ago because it was just after we got married. And he came down because we had a bunch of stuff. They brought a bunch of stuff. And um, we, had to, we had to build this little bar cart. And I had tweaked my back literally that morning. But I had to build this cart with them. I had no choice. And, this was, <laughs> and dude, this was like my Jordan, my, my Jordan flu game. I felt so bad, and, and I'm laying on my side, and I'm trying to – oh, dude, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. 
And you can't show weakness in that no, moment. No, no weakness. It, yeah, no no weakness. weakness in that moment. Oh, None. Man, I, I feel that all the way, all the way to my core. It, it, it's, it's just a simple way of, of reminding everybody the process. And uh, to that end, by the way, I want to make sure everybody knows some of the other news because it impacts our process. Franchise tags were handed out to Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and Dalton Schultz today. Uh, obviously, Mike Williams signed a new big deal in L.A., but that uh, Devontae Adams thing is important for everybody because now that's a – now, all of a sudden, if you want windows so bad and they're on back order and the only way you can get them is from this one company, you're going to have Mm-mm. to pay more than you want. And that can mess up everything in your budget for a long time. Like, I don't know if you all have ever been to auctions, but the number of times, like, or if you're bidding on something on eBay and you're like, okay, I have an absolute maximum I will spend for this on eBay. And then it gets to that maximum. You're like, I had an absolute maximum. <laughs> and you're blowing through it. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I paid how much for an AWA wrestling figure that I don't even need that's going to sit on a shelf? This is a very, very particular example for me, Eddie. But you look at that and say, how did I get here? You can't do that when you have a salary cap. You have roster construction to consider. Like That's all the more reason. Just, just because the Titans chose not to franchise Harold Landry doesn't mean that the Raiders need to go get him just because he had a great stat line next year. You have to be really calculated in what you add and how you do it. Hey, real quick, you get that figurine, though? Oh, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, I did. Boy. Then I figured out, by the way, like I found a guy on Facebook that makes replicas because I don't really care about, like, I, I'm the worst toy collector in history. Nobody cares about this but me and you, Eddie, but I'll tell you anyway. Like, I go to toy stores. I went to this one place, and they had this, like, Optimus Prime Transformer toy. There were only, like, a 1,000 of them made. First thing I did when I bought that was I ripped it out of its box because I don't want toys. Like, I didn't get toys as a kid. Like, we didn't have a lot as a kid. Sure. So now I buy them as an adult, right, and I put them all over the house. I got, I got Funkos everywhere. I got, like... Like old uh, old wrestling figures everywhere. Like I got toys everywhere in my house. But I at least found a guy on Facebook. Instead of paying like a lot of money for these things, like you could pay a little money, and he paints them by hand to look like the guys you want. So they're unique. They're one of a kind. That's what I tell myself when really it's I'm not going to spend that much money. Like we got them from the pick and save when I was a kid, Eddie, and now they're like a thousand dollars each. Like who's paying that for a toy? You know what's wild too, those fits is that's that's you maturing though, right, man? Like, hey, I could spend I could spend two hundred dollars on this toy, or I could give this dude eighty bucks, and it's like the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's 50. financial responsibility. I got, I got him down to fifty bucks. Fifty, like, and I I feel like I'm winning. I feel like dude, I'm winning on these things. I I lo- <clears throat> excuse me, I love negotiating with people, man. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that dude. that is the least surprising thing I've yeah. ever heard from Eddie. It's like, yo, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll give you this. Uh, you know, I was uh, perfect example. I was I had these Oregon cleats that I really wanted. Right. And, uh, you know, just for display, because they're they're like the cool, like, you know, electric yellow ones from back when I was in college. Guys like, I'll give them you for 50 bucks. And I was like, nah. It's like, ah, I was like, what, what could you do for me? Oh, I'll give them you for 30. Ah, nah, I think that's not going to work for me. <laughs> Long story short, well, I, I got them for like 28 bucks, dude. Fresh out of the box. Very, very pleased. But it's, it's fun. There's an art to it. You know, there's an art to that negotiation. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you. If you ever like, if Eddie and I are hanging out before a game next year and you see us, it'll take all of six seconds to figure out that Eddie is definitely the guy that's like, what do you, what are you willing to part ways with on that? Like Eddie's the negotiator. I'm the guy that slides a drink over, and I'm like, maybe I can get you drunk enough that you give yeah. me a discount. Like that's, <laughs> that's the difference. 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the fun. 702-365-9200. So now that we know that Russell Wilson is a part of the AFC West, and we know that Devontae Adams will remain a Green Bay Packer, what does all of that mean for roster construction that we could see as early as next week for the Raiders? We'll answer it next. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. In for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio.
Once you make a decision, that's the decision and you're moving forward. And until you get to that certainty, there's no make a decision. But there also is a time frame for this because I understand that my decision does impact a number of other people's decisions and I want to be very sensitive to that. And so I will uh, definitely make a decision sooner. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT is Jason Fitz and Eddie Pascal. 702-365-9200. That's how you hang out with Eddie Pascal and me, Jason Fitz. In for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio. Russell Wilson is a member of the Denver Broncos. Interesting cap note for anybody that's super into the money side of it. The Seahawks will save $11 million in 22, but they'll take on $26 million in dead money. Ooh. Second most on a team ever. Philly ate 33.8 in the Carson Wentz trade. So a lot of money to get out of a quarterback speaks to the fact that he must have given them some sort of an ultimatum that he wasn't coming back and playing because it doesn't make a lot of sense for Seattle otherwise in the minds of most that I've seen so far. But he goes to, to Denver and – it does raise an interesting question, Eddie, because you know that, that leaves us in a, in a strange situation about roster construction. We'll get to that in a second, but I know we have some people that want to chime in. 702-365-9200. Uh, who we got in the line? I believe we've got Silver and Black Panther, Bobby. You got Silver me. and Black Panther, we got you? Hey, well, I think so. You there? Oh, we're oh here, yeah, brother. we're here. Let's uh, go, baby. Hey, what do we got? First of all, it's awesome to get y'all, too. I know my boy JT is my guy. But I love hearing you guys, too. And I haven't been able to get in. So to get in right now, I actually use my alias. I usually say Raider Reggie, but I got lost with Bobby S. the ball. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm a recovering Raider addict to a point where I don't think in that mindset that you were talking about earlier. You can't do everything in one year. Everything takes time. But I'm of the mindset you have to have a, a idea of what's next. What are you doing this year? What are they doing this year? I hope it's the offense. I really hope they get this offensive line right and that they go get somebody like my guy, DK. That's who I wanted them to pick up in the draft, and we didn't. If we could get him right now, Right. I wouldn't mind just chilling on the defense, build it up just a little bit, but we got to go all on in on this offense so we can see what we get out of D.C. That's just what I think. What you think? Let's go, Raiders! I think – I love the, the enthusiasm. I think that offense is the quickest way to – Having a competent offense is the quickest way to get yourself competitive for most weeks. Uh, that If you have a competent offense, even if your defense is bad, if it can just force some turnovers, you can keep yourself in the conversation. So I, I don't think it's a, a – the, the concept of let's go out and address the offense is a pretty good one. Also, the offense is farther along than it has been in prior iterations of a rebuild. And, and I know the Raiders aren't – we're not using that form that phrase here. The Raiders aren't using it. But, Eddie, let's be real. Like – uh, Hunter Renfro is a building block. I always ask everybody, look at your, your team and ask yourself, would they be a starter on a high-quality championship-caliber football team and you have an idea of who you've got? Well, Hunter Renfro is absolutely a, a beast. We all know that. Darren Waller is a beast. Colton Miller has proven himself in every possible way that you, you need him to prove himself. Andre James is growing into that center role, I think was much better at the end of the year than he was early in the season. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a capable running back in the NFL. I, I, you know, we can have conversations about his, 
future long-term. But right now, I think Josh Jacobs is absolutely capable of leading this offense. And I believe that Derek Carr can be a very good quarterback. I also believe that history has shown you can win a Super Bowl with a very good quarterback. You don't have to have Tom Brady. So when I look across the, the landscape of offense, I feel like there are enough building blocks here that I'd look at and say the offense is easier to address. Yeah, and let's also – we didn't even bring up Josh McDaniels either. And we talked yeah. about kind of his incredible offensive, offensive mind. And when we were talking to Champ Kelly, the assistant GM for the Silver and Black in, in Indy, he was very honest with him, he, very honest with me where he goes, look, I've been around this league for a very long time, you know, pushing two decades. And he goes, Josh McDaniels is one of the most brilliant offensive minds that I've ever come across, that I've ever had a chance to work with. So I think we cannot sleep on the fact that, yes, you have these building blocks. Uh, and, you know, we like to play the game fits, and it's a similar version to you, and ours is even simpler. It's thumbs up or thumbs down. So you go through your roster, and is, is this guy an asset or is he a detriment? And you brought up four guys, four building blocks for this team. So you look at the offense in totality. You look at Derek Carr when he has time to operate. You look at Renfro and Waller and Colton Miller and an Andre James who's improving. And you're like, yeah, we could do some interesting things. And then all of a sudden, you throw in who, a guy who is arguably one of the best offensive minds in the game, and you're cooking. So it's, it's exciting to see, and we, we heard from the caller earlier, Fitz, about kind of that iron sharpening iron, and how, what is this going to do to the Derek Cars, to the Colton Millers, to the Hunter Renfros, knowing that, hey, Russ is in town, all of a sudden, we are the best division in football, we have four stud quarterbacks, like, hey, if we want to make any noise, we're going to have to handle our business uh, in the division, and, and it's going to be... It's going to be exciting. I think there's uh, a natural level of kind of like anticipation of, oh boy, like this is this has changed in a pretty major way. But if you're a fan of the Raiders and you're a fan of what Josh McDaniels and his group are going to bring to the table, you got to be fired up. You got to be you got to be sitting there saying, hey, yeah, it got a little bit harder, but it's going to be so much fun. It's interesting to me because one of the things Bill Belichick said it, as McDaniels was uh, not even the Raiders coach yet, but as he was, uh, rumors were mounting that he was going to be leaving. Belichick said that McDaniels reminded him of Nick Saban in the sense that he knew everybody's responsibility every single week, and not every coach is like that. And, you know, Eddie, certainly you've been around enough coaches in, in the facility, and, and I've been around enough coaches around the league it, from ESPN to say that there are coaches that understand what their strengths are. There are coaches that are CEOs. There are coaches that are motivators. There are very few coaches that are sort of, you know, savants about all things – uh, their entire team. And it it sounds like that's where people are putting McDaniels right now. Now, of course, the first time around didn't go the way I think he wanted it to go. Uh, but uh, realistically, this time around, they've got to believe that that knowledge is paired with what he learned from the first time. And, and I'm looking at an offense, and I use this analogy a lot. We'll go back to food. I don't know why, Eddie. Maybe I'm just Do hungry. Today. Bring I'm it working back. out again. You know, I'm hungry. You know, I love Chopped. I don't know if you ever watched Chopped. Oh, my God, dude. I love Chopped. Chopped. Okay, so Chopped is my, my jam. And I use Chopped all the time as an analogy for football because what I want are coaches that are like great chefs on Chopped. I want them to open up a basket of ingredients and say, all right, this basket may not be perfect, but I'm going to make something out of it, and it's going to be great. Now, there's a fine line between I'm going to make something that lacks identity or fine line between that and I'm going to make something that still says who I am. And when you think about the, the winners of Chopped, they always say the same things. Like, you use these ingredients so well, and you still put yourself on the plate. That's what a great coach does in my mind. They use the ingredients that are there, but they still put themselves into what they're interjecting everything around. And that, to me, is what I, I my best case scenario for the Raiders this year is it's some version of that for McDaniels in this offense. 
and Fitz, the winners, none of them make that risotto with 20 minutes left, bro. I mean, Wh- that why? Is, why does anyone do ever start? The minute somebody starts a risotto, I'm like, you should just walk in, throw it on their face, and tell. I told Ted Allen that once. Like, why does anyone make the risotto? I don't understand. Also, by the way, Eddie, if you and I were ever competing on chop, me, me versus Eddie, sure, we make it. We make it to the dessert round. You know, the first thing I'm doing, first Ooh. thing I'm doing, before I make anything. Oh, you're probably going to the ice cream machine, huh? I'm just going in there and I'm pouring milk in it. I'm yep. making sure that mm-hmm. only I get the ice yep. cream machine yep. That's good or strategy. no one gets it. I'm hey, like, me, you know what? I'm eliminating ice cream from your opportunities. Hey, let me ask you this, too. I got a question. And I know you're, yeah. you're a man who's very connected in these very high-level circles. So I know, you, I know you flex there saying, oh, yeah, when me and Ted were talking. Oh, yeah. When, I when met Ted and I were so just I tried chopping. to get on top. That, it, didn't, it didn't work. But yeah. Now, this yeah, is my question. So they, they do the, you know, they, they go through the round. They make the food, right? So they go through the appetizer. They make the appetizer. But then there's got to be a time when the food is done before they present it to the judges. How do they keep the food hot? Like, I can't imagine this is like a fast food restaurant and they just put it under a lamp, right? They don't keep the food effectively hot. What we don't see is during the episode, the judges have the opportunity to walk around and taste things. And so, and then right away, they can go up and, mm. and take like little bites of things as it happens. And then they film the fancy version of it for everybody. So, yes. Wow. Uh, and also, I thought it was interesting and made a lot of sense. Like the water's already boiling for everybody. All that stuff's already like, because you have to be. Like, yeah. how often have we all sat there and said, like, how am I supposed? Like, how is that person making pasta when I can't get a bot- a, a pot of water to boil in twenty minutes? <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I mean, it's so funny being like the home chef and having those same frustrations where you're like, oh, I wish my pantry was filled with with every type of rice from all seven continents, and I had the everything was in season in terms of the produce. But I mean, it's good TV, man. It's objectively yeah. good TV. Well, and when you it, it's it's putting yourself on the plate that I think is is the part of the analogy that I keep thinking about because there were times last year that I felt like the Raiders offensively truly lacked identity. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to sit here and say they lack identity, but then say I want an offense that's varied? How am I going to say you know two years ago the defense was too complicated and Gus Bradley made it better by simplifying it, but now we've got a complicated defensive coordinator, right? Like how do you find all of this? And and that's where the combination of are you using the ingredients that you have, like. You might set out to, to, to have the best ingredients in the world, but when it's all said and done, what you have is what you have. How do you deal with what you have? That's the measure of a great coach. So it's up to, in my mind, it's up to the GM and the coach together to put the perfect ingredient. But man, it is up to the coach to say, now it's game day. I got what I got. And how am I going to maximize them? That's where, if you're a Raiders fan, it doesn't matter what, this, what these rosters look like. It doesn't matter what, what these uh, quarterbacks look like in the rest of the division. The question is, do the coaches that are in the building have the ability to get the most out of the people that are in the building? That's everything to winning. Yeah, and, and we'll have a much better idea of this question in particular fits come January of next year. But, I mean, what does your heart of hearts say? And, and I know, in all seriousness, I know you talk to a lot of ESPN people. I know you talk to a lot of folks that know a lot more football than you and I. What should we anticipate? What are your pals? What do your little birdies think that we're going to get out of a Josh McDaniels offense in 2022? Like, what is it going to look like? How is it going to feel? Like, it's kind of the million-dollar question in a lot of senses right now. Yeah, I, I think everything, like always, comes down to the offensive line. But if they can get the protection that they want, this to me feels like it's going to be an offense that is absolutely predicated on calculated deep strikes, on play-action passing, and predicated on controlling the ball. And, and controlling the ball – 
uh, or controlling the clock, I should say, is not just a run concept. It's also a short passing concept. So, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised at all to see a lot of two tight end sets. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see interesting, varied ways to try and mix up patterns to get Renfro and Waller both open. Like one thing that I think we have to remember, and you and I talked yesterday about wide receiver need. I think this team desperately needs somebody that's going to take the top end off of a defense. But the question is, do they also need a big body in the red zone? Or can they design plays that they feel will give them the opportunity? Because you got Waller, who is a big body, and Renfro, who specially is getting open. Why are those things not happening in the red zone when you have two people that have the skill sets you're supposed to want? So I think that at some point that's going to be looked at. I expect better red zone efficiency, but all of that's going to come back to, to me, I think that the, the offense will live and die by guard play. Left guard, right guard, what happens there? If, if the interior of the offensive line does not play better, then it's going to be tough to run the football. It's going to be tough to have red zone efficiency. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier about how, you know, it's not a it's it's not a great take, right? It's, it's not sexy. It doesn't get people excited to say, hey, it's, it's important to be patient. It's important to understand the process and all this. The same goes the same. The same goes, or excuse me, it goes the same for the offensive line, where I know it's not flashy and bright, and I know you can't count touchdowns and stats, but, like, this team, any team in the NFL, the Raiders in particular, if you don't have your offensive line situation figured out, you know, you – you're not going to go do a whole lot. And, and I think that we were, ta- we were talking about the red zone, where if McDaniels can figure out some of these red zone issues, he's never going to buy, buy himself a beer in Vegas ever again. <laughs> like oh if, he, God, yeah. if, if that's the one thing that's on his to-do list, like if that's the big one on the, uh, on the whiteboard that says fix the red zone and he does it, oh, you're going to have a very, very, very happy fan base. Hey, but Fitz, real quick before we hit the break, uh, we're going to go to Rossi. I think I'm saying that right. Rossi in Australia. The Australia? We got him. Rossi, you there? R- Rossi? I'm there. How are we doing? Oh, oh we're good. Fantastic. Calling from now. Australia? This is amazing. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I've uh, been, been to a few games and uh, always try and interact with, uh, with the fans whenever I can. So, uh, no, I love, uh, love the Raiders. Um, Eddie and I are big Seattle Sounders fans as well. We talk on Twitter every now and then. Oh, it's so. this, Ross. What's going on, man? I know. Mate, I'm still trying to get Christian on your show. I would love nothing uh, more. That's, Fitz, that's he's talking about Raiders game. legend Christian um, Roldan, I should say. Christian Roldan of the Sounders. <laughs> Let's go. Chris, Chris, Christian and Alex, both uh, very good guys. Um, the narrative around Derek Carr being the fourth worst uh, in the division is absolutely ridiculous. It's not even close. Obviously, he's second. Everybody makes the assumption about Mahomes. But Justin Herbert hasn't won anything yet. can have all the talent he wants, but he just hasn't won. And Russell Wilson didn't even make the playoffs. And personally, I think he's overrated, holds on to the ball, poor decision-making, the whole lot. So for me, the, the, the trade doesn't scare me in any way. You only play six games in your division anyway. It's a 17-game season, probably seem to be 18. So it, it, it doesn't bother me having somebody like Russell Wilson going for Denver. The, the big key is who is going to be the, the, the quarterback? Is the extension going to get done? And, and what's that magic number now that Rodgers has uh, set the benchmark? Oh, that see now that is a great question, and thanks mm-hmm. for the call, by the way. Uh, uh, incredible, 
uh, to have Raiders fans in Australia. It's a reminder of what I love about being a Raiders fan. The nation is everywhere. Uh, you just asked a great question that we're going to answer after the break. What's the market value look like for quarterbacks? Because some of the numbers that have come out today are stunning, and it will impact not just Derek Carr, not just the Raiders, but every team in the NFL. We'll tell you how next. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, we're in for JT the Brick on the JT the Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, there is, there's always, like, when you, um, you're going to always have maybe some inherent biases or non-biases, like, when you are entrenched in a team, right? Like, if you're with a certain organization for a long time, you can see players a certain way, right, wrong, or indifferent, and you can talk to someone else from another team, and they see them completely different. So I think just coming in, there, there was, you know, um, there were certain players I wasn't familiar with, you know, just because, like, they either hadn't been free agents, they hadn't been an RFA, um, they weren't on the pre, you know, you didn't watch them necessarily in the preseason. So um, there's certain players that you just aren't as familiar with that you learn about, you, you know, and there's you find um, things that you like. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT is Jason Fitz and Eddie Pascal. So how do you go through the evaluation process? When not only are you evaluating the talent that's in the building, you're figuring out what talent is outside the building that you might want to bring in to complement that talent. And you're also putting a dollar figure next to every single person as you're analyzing them. Think about it in, in those layers how complicated it is when you become the new team that's taking over an entire roster of players. That's what's happened for Ziggler and McDaniels, and that's what the daunting task is for them that has to be accomplished now in the next week as they prepare for free agency. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT The Brick on the JT The Brick Show, Raider Nation Radio, 702-365-9200. And Eddie, it's just... It's so much more complicated. I don't care how many hours in the day you got to, to sit there and say, okay, I've got a spreadsheet and I'm going to put a dollar figure next to your name that justifies your worth. And at the same time, I'm going to be analyzing everybody outside the building that I think I could bring in depending on how many dollars I have left over. Like that's wild. It's, it is, I think wild is the perfect word for it, but I, I got to give a lot of credit to, to Dave and Josh McDaniels because they were, they've been very open and, and transparent with us since they arrived in town about how much of this first five, six weeks was just understanding what's going on here in the building. Like, what do we have? Like, you can't effectively attack free agency. You can't at- effectively attack uh, the draft and what you want to do over that three-day span without knowing 100% what you got on the roster today. And, and so, like, they've, they've both talked so extensively about how the, the biggest part of this, this first kind of chapter for them was getting up to speed on those guys because you brought up a great point, Fitz. This is not an easy formula to, to work through. You have so many moving pieces. You have so many variables. You have so many human personalities involved in this as well that getting from A to Z and putting together a roster is not an easy task, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. And just imagine, too, sitting down with the financial aspect of it. You know, one thing I talked to Clay this morning on the morning show, did a little uh, interview with him, as I do every week. And, you know, there was a conversation about when do you lock guys up? And, and in my mind, the minute that you know you've got somebody foundational on your roster, you sign them long term today because the value of that position is only going to go up every single year. Now, the only way you're ever going to get them cheaper is if they then have a down year, which would degrade everything in what you're actually analyzing from the player. So once McDaniels and, and Ziegler look at uh, Max Crosby, for example, it makes a lot of sense to look at it and say, 
Max is foundational. And now reports come out that they're working on a long-term deal. Of course they are. I would expect the same thing to happen for Hunter Renfro. And through that process, you also have to look at positional value. We've talked over the last two days about everything that you have to weigh at wide receiver. But, boy, I mean, this only becomes more and more complicated. Aaron Rodgers has made it clear on Twitter that no one will give the terms of his contract other than him. It will be cap-friendly, according to Pat McAfee, who knows. I get all of those things. But you, there were reports almost immediately of an annual value of around $50 bucks a year. Like, that's a ton of money. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers is worth every cent of it. But now you've got a shortage of quarterbacks that are competent in the open market, and you've got a wild amount of money that the good ones are getting paid. That will impact everybody, including the Raiders, if they're looking at a long-term deal with Derek Carr. And the thing is, too, quick shameless plug alert, Fitz. You were on with Clay this morning. Uh, Clay and I are going to be doing the morning show this Friday coming up. So Ooh, I'll be there, man, bright and, bright and early, man. It'll be great. Uh, but to your point, though, like when you know you got something good, you got to figure out a way to keep it, right? Whether that's Max, whether that's Hunter, whether it's Derek, whether it's who, you know, insert player name here. So it, I think it'll be very interesting now to see what happens over the next nine days, 10 days. And as we expand on that a little bit more, the next couple of weeks and into the next couple of months uh, of what deals do get done, what those numbers look like, because there is, and it's, I know it's not fun, but there is a very uh, real financial aspect to this team building process. Uh, and it's the part of us that part of it that fans kind of try to, I, I don't want to say, gloss over but it's not it's not exciting right it's not sexy it's not cool to be looking at a spreadsheet like you and I would rather be talking about touchdowns uh, and sacks and all that kind of good stuff and saying well you know this number in 2022 is going to go up by x percent in 22 like no one wants to do that but it's a very 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 real part of this so I will be intrigued to see how Josh and uh, and Dave Ziegler kind of attack this but before we get out of here we got to go back to the phone lines once more we're going to go to Mick in Texas Mick what's going on man dudes thanks for taking the call hey look real quick um you know, I'm a big fan of the hirings, uh, both Ziegler and McDaniel. So, you know, we're we're tearing everything out and uh, starting all over again. That's fine with me. Uh, I trust this guy completely. Um, you guys were talking about red zone problems, and and you know, it's it's pl- it's pretty plain. You know, you got a quarterback that's not mobile, and that takes a lot of uh, takes a lot out of your game down there at the goal line. You know, one of you guys talked about Mina Kimes earlier, and that chick had a tweet a couple of months ago after the Chargers playoff game where where our quarterback had made some fantastic plays on the run uh, late in the game in clutch time. And her, her thing was, hey, look, you know, those are great plays, but the question you have about Derek Carr is, why doesn't he do this all the time? And after eight years, that's the problem, the inconsistency. And I'm telling you, these red zone problems are not going to go away with this problem still there. Number two red zone offense in the NFL last year was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is not particularly mobile. Number four was the San Francisco 49ers, specifically with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. That, uh, that also not particularly mobile. Number seven red zone offense was New England. Mac Jones, not particularly mobile. So, oh, Mac uh, Jones. I, I mean, number, number nine was Ryan Tannehill. I'll give you a little bit of mobility there. Uh, obviously, I'm skipping over Buffalo was number one. Uh, that, they, they, a ton of mobility there. But to the point of mobility, number 14 was Baltimore. And last time I checked, I don't know that there's many quarterbacks more mobile than Lamar Jackson. Like, I understand we love the concept of mobility at the quarterback position, but the fact is the red zone is about disguising what you do, making sure that the defense doesn't know what's coming, which is more difficult to do because you don't have as much room to make shifts and motions. And in the process, it's tougher to disguise your processes. So, or your, your plays, I should say. So last year, the red zone offense was 
predictable. If you and I knew what was coming, so did the defense. So I don't think that there's anything that genuinely supports mobility as the factor. All right, you left me in there great. Hey, so, <laughs> but you got me. Hey, no, 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 no. So listen, you, you got to admit that it, it brings an element down there. Our, I mean, he acts like Fred Flintstone with the football when he's trying to run. And, and then I'm not trying to slam the guy. I'm, you know, he, 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 he's had some great, great games, and he's put together some solid seasons. But without that aspect of that game, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to go up against the elite teams in the league. I'm telling you right now, man, this team will not win with this guy at quarterback. Did, did Matt Stafford just win the Super Bowl? Did I miss the spot where Stafford's a particularly mobile quarterback? And we're not talking about straight mobility here now, guys. We're talking about all aspects of the game. This guy has holes in his game. And I'm, but I'm no, but you, you were right talking now. now, in fairness, my friend, you were talking about mobility, right? Like the conversation started at mobility in the red zone. And I'm just saying that there's very little that proves that mobility in the red zone is actually a factor of it. Every quarterback has holes in their games. But last time I checked, I mean, you also said that you can't win a Super Bowl with a quarterback with holes in their game. Jimmy G was one quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, for the love of God. Like, I understand that we want to take certain quarterbacks like Brady and Manning and say that's what you need to win a Super Bowl. But there's no proof of concept to that. Like, you don't have to be a perfect quarterback. you got to have a really good team. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, for the love of God. So, like, are we going to really say that Nick Foles can win a Super Bowl and Derek Carr can't? Well, I'll tell you one thing right now. You put Derek Carr in the 2000 Ravens, sure he's going to win a Super Bowl. Same thing with those Niner teams, those great defenses. I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, this guy is not going to do it for this team. And the best thing to do is just burn his ships. Cortez got to the new world. He burned his ships, baby. We've, we've taken ourselves out of looking for good young quarterbacks like, like uh, Allen, like Mahomes, like, because we were set so, to quarterback. We got to let you go. The music's telling us we got to let you go. I appreciate <laughs> your call. We both appreciate your call. I will say quickly, Charles Woodson tweeted, if Derek Carr played in Kansas City with Reed, that offense would be close with as many yards and touchdowns as Mahomes. Not saying he's better, but let's not be crazy. So there are differing opinions on it. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. The nice thing about having the mic is I get the last word. Eddie, yes, you do. it's been fun hanging out with you, my friend. Oh, it has been so much fun. And real quick, my, fu- my brother-in-law snuck his text in right before he went off. He's not pleased. Oh, I bet he's not. JT the Brick will be back. Thanks for letting Eddie and I take over for you. We appreciate you hanging out with us on Raider Nation Radio.